World's Finest Podcast, Episode 83. As always, I'm Michael Sims, and with me is James Doe. How are you, sir? I'm fine, but uh, enough about me. Let's talk about you, sir. Yeah, you know, I've been I've been kind of busy keeping the site running. I got a screener copy of Batman Under the Red Hood, which I got to see a few days early. I mean, of course, it's out now, so that was pretty cool. Um, you know, I got engaged, and I did some other stuff. So, yeah, you know, normal week for me. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> you're just, you're just going to gloss over it like that? <laughs> Oh, yes, yes, yes. Um, for those of you that aren't a member of the forums or who don't follow me on Facebook, yes, what I just uh, said right there is true. I am engaged. Congratulations to you, sir. Again, you. I've said it to you twice, but I'm going <laughs> to yeah. say it again. Yes, exactly, exactly. No, thank you, know, thank you, thank you, James, and uh, thank you to everybody who's uh, commented over at the Earth2.net forums and on my Facebook page. Uh, just the outpouring of uh, love, really is welcome. It, it makes me, it makes me feel good. So yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's an exciting time. We have uh, a, a, a date set. It's uh, the 11th of June of next year. And, uh, you know, so there we go. I'm, I'm growing up. I'm going to be a big boy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to segue out of that. Um, except to say, you know what? Um, we, you know, we didn't do emails last time, if I remember correctly. Mm -hmm. um, so we have a ton of them today. So we are just going to jump right into those. Indeed. So first one today is from Sophia, who writes, Hey, James and Mike, I'm quite a big fan of your show and Teen Titans. Just wanted you to correct uh, correct you on what you said about Fractured. You said that Starfire st stole Cyborg's mouth when really it's the other way around. And started with Beast Boy taking Raven's mouth, Raven, Cyborg, Cyborg, Starfires. And every, after everyone was done talking, everyone got their mouths back except for poor Beast Boy. <laughs> also, just wanted to ask on whom you think Slade enjoyed having his apprentice more, Robin or Terra? Of course, not considering their betrayal. Thanks, you guys rock. P.S. Teen Titans is so in continuity. <laughs> so I think that he enjoyed having Robin more. What about you, James? Uh, yeah, probably Robin, just because he knew him for longer. Uh, he was in his head longer. And he, I think he enjoyed Robin trying to fight back and him, you know, stopping his little mini rebellions each time. Yeah, there's also the fact of getting Robin to, granted it was rather reluctantly, but getting Robin to bow down before him. Mm -hmm. You know, getting Robin to do his bidding was very satisfying to Slade. Granted, it was short-lived, but he did get what he wanted for a while. Now, when it comes to Tara, you know, by having her as an apprentice, you know, he got someone to infiltrate the Titans and then betray them, and, you know, he succeeded for a while. He did take control of the city. So there's some satisfaction in that, but ultimately I think it does come down to Robin. That one is so much more personal to Slade than Terra was. 
right, next one's from Layla, who writes, hey, Mike and Jim. <laughs> a lot of people have complained that all the founding titans appear in the cartoon with the exception of the Donna Troy Wonder Girl. This is false. After rewatching mm-hmm. the finale with all the heroes versus the Brotherhood of Evil, she is one of the frozen titans, and she also appears in part two of Homecoming. I haven't seen Winter Take All, but the producers said she and Kid Flash were originally going to be in it, but they had to use Gizmo to hide the fact Terror was evil. Mm-hmm. Kid Flash, as you guys said, was scrapped, but Donna was in silhouette at the end with the other heroines. Do you guys wish there was a Donna Spotlight episode like there was with the other founders? I don't know much about Donna Troy. What I've read about her has not intrigued me enough to care. So for me, no. No, not at all. Uh, what, what do you feel about that, James? Same here. I know nothing about Wonder Girl at all. <laughs> yeah. Um, I will say I don't know if she's one of the Frozen Titans, um, I will check that out, but I do know the scene where Robin, I think it's the scene where Robin's like, or maybe it's, maybe it's brain, but th- there's a scene where they're showing just a whole bunch of Titan faces on the screen and you do see Wonder Girl's face. It's, it's literally a blink and you moment, blink and you miss it. Pardon me. Moment. Um, but maybe she is a frozen Titan too. I don't know. Also, what do you guys think of the recently released Green Lantern stills? I've given up on it. The costume looks like he was skinned alive and put in a glow-in-the-dark condom. Amanda Waller is appearing in it, though, and thus she has been embargoed from making more appearances on Smallville. Speaking of horrid superhero uh, adaptations, Mike said he wished they would build up to Darkseid in a Superman film franchise. We're kind of getting this on Smallville. In Season 9, both Waller and Martha Kent alluded to Apocalypse, and Granny Goodness made a cameo in the season finale. I think this idea is atrocious, and they're only doing it because Rosenbaum said he didn't want to return, and they screwed over all the other villains, so they need a big baddie for the final season. Although I don't like the show, I probably will will watch, uh, since we'll be seeing Kara again along with Pa Kent, which is weird, since he's dead. Yeah, dream sequence, come on, you know. Or time travel, even. So who knows? However, since Lois discovered Clark's secret and we finally saw the suit, it seems they will try to make the final season a straight-laced Superman show, so I'll be optimistic. As for the Green Lantern movie, keep in mind, we're still, what, a year out from that thing being released? Yeah, the costume looks bad, in my opinion, but they've got a year to tweak it, a year to listen to fan feedback and do whatever they want with it, so I wouldn't freak out just yet. I mean, as we... Okay, basically, once we see the first trailer, if the costume still looks the same, then we can start to panic. <laughs> but until then, <laughs> yes, let's continue to reserve judgment. Right. Next one from Brian, who writes, uh, On Betrayal, nice Sieg from Winner Takes All into the audio snippet from Betrayal. And on oh, after- that, was, that was a complete accident. For those of you that don't remember, um, James or I, I think... Uh, yeah, James, you had questioned why they were giving Aqualad another communicator. And I said, maybe he lost it. And then the audio I chose for the next segment, for the, you know, the, the bridging audio, was Beast Boy t- saying that he lost his communicator. <laughs> I did not notice it until I had completely had put the show together. Because, you know, I take out that, the, the, the clipping of the audio is the very last thing I do before I actually make it an MP3 and upload it. So it didn't even dawn on me when I was clipping out the audio. It's just when I put it all together and I was testing the file, making sure everything synced up nicely, that uh, it, I was like, oh, that's kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
And on Aftershock, Mike mentioned the twisted wedding vows about Tara thinking she had a choice, but Slade really manipulated her from the beginning. Uh, Dick had said something similar about Bruce and old wounds right before he quits being Robin. Perhaps that's another reason Robin hates Slade so much, because he reminds him of what Bruce could be if things had gone a different path. And perhaps that is also why Dick got so mad in old wounds, because he thinks Bruce is heading in that direction. Oh, that's that's a good point. Sure, yeah. You can go with that. All right. Oh, you know what? Can I can I jump in here real quick? Was that the end of that email? Yeah. Okay. I forgot. I got a message at the forums from someone that I want to read, and if I don't do it now, I will completely forget. Okay. So sorry okay. to interrupt the email for a for a private message. Uh, it's from a relatively new member. Goes by the name of Garfield. He says, "Hi, I'm new to the forums, but I love your show. I just thought I'd pa- pass a thought on to you." In episode 69, when reviewing In Blackest Night, you asked how they were able to achieve warp speed. I had thought about this for some time, as in Teen Titans, they do it at least two times, in Transformation and Betrothed. I was watching the show recently, and in some scene after the opening credits, Starfire and Robin walk into the main room while Cyborg, Beast Boy, and Raven are yelling at each other. Starfire says, and I quote, And that is the secret to traveling faster than light. Granted, this idea only works if one accepts Teen Titans as in continuity, but I fully accept it as such, so I see that as how the Titans and later the Justice League are able to go off-world. So, there we go. All right, next one is from Tony writes, Hey guys, great podcast as usual. It's great that we have now gotten to the Brother Blood episodes because that hopefully means we'll be guaranteed some good Cyborg episodes. But speaking of that, as comic book fans, doesn't it ever annoy you guys that the Titans' arch enemy was named Slade and not Deathstroke? Yes! I know that Slade no. is supposed to... <laughs> well, yeah, you know, they couldn't put the word, the name Deathstroke in a kid's cartoon. They just Right, they and I think, that, I think that's like the next line or two of his email, in fact, isn't it? Yeah, he, he goes on to say, I know that Slade is supposed to be his secret identity in the comics, and I understand that they must have felt they couldn't have a villain with the name like Deathstroke in a kid's cartoon, but this is a sh- uh, in a show where another character gets away with a name like Brother Blood. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> yep, and uh, I'm going to have a note about uh, the final episode we're reviewing today. Uh, yeah, I think I know what you're going to bring up. I, I'm just sort of guessing, but yeah. Uh, okay. Um, but, no, the reason it doesn't bother me is because I understand. I mean, there's a couple reasons for it. One, if they called him Deathstroke or Deathstroke the Terminator, then they might, you know, get in a little trouble with, you know... Whoever, what studio put out the Terminator movies? I don't remember which one it was. You I know? think it was 20th Century Fox, but I don't know for certain. Okay, they, they might risk getting into a little trouble with them. So, okay, let's just call them Deathstroke. But, yeah, still, that that's maybe a little too edgy. So, just go with Slade. And I think Slade is still very cool, very mysterious. No, you know, it's not his code name, but... Yeah, I, I don't know. It, it just works for me because again, it's it's cool and mysterious. It's not like they made something new up. It's not like they, it's not like they called him like Pixie Flower Man or anything like that. You know, it's, <laughs> they, they went with something that is connected to the character. So yeah. Oh, and uh, just to correct you really quickly, James, Avatar: The Last Airbender actually has sixty-one episodes. It was originally planned to have sixty, twenty per season, but during production of the series finale, Sosin's Comet, which was planned as a three-parter, it was decided that the last episode had so much going on that it needed to be split into two episodes okay uh by the way considering the heavy anime influence in the series could red x's name have been something of an homage to uh racer x from speed racer you know 
when you consider his connection to Robin and Racer X's connection to Speed, there, hey, <laughs> yeah, who knows? That that's that's a good call. I've never heard anybody bring that up before, but sure, why not? And in Betrothed, if you listen closely to the Tamaranian dialogue, Star, uh, Starfire and Galfor are shouting at each other when they first meet. You can actually hear Starfire's real name, Coriander, uh, yelled out during that exchange. Oh, cool! Very cool. Yeah, I am looking forward to seeing Superman Batman Apocalypse when it comes out, but it got me wondering, whatever happened to that Teen Titans, the Judas Contract film they were going to do? I've heard that it was uh, is due to the Titans not having a broad enough consumer appeal, but I have to disagree. If anything, I think that after the TV show has been over for so long, the idea of seeing a mature animated Titans film would be very appealing. There's so many things that they could do with the Terra storyline here that they simply didn't and couldn't do in season two of the show, be it Robin becoming Nightwing inclusion of the Hive and Jericho, putting Wonder Girl and Kid Flash back on the team, and Deathstroke and Terra's Affair, and, of course, restoring Starfire's breasts to their proper size. And, yes, I added that last part just for you, Mike. <laughs> well, okay, I don't want... I don't know how old Starfire is supposed to be, you know, in this in the car- cartoon we're talking about, but I'm guessing 15, 16. I don't want her chest to be as big as it is in the comics i mean you know for a girl that age her breasts are just the right size so we'll leave it at that i'm not going to be ogling a a 16 year old's boobies okay okay i took enough issue with toy man ogling people so i can't then do the same you know okay anyway (laughs) what happened to the judas contract animated movie i don't know i mean i know there's been some talk about it over at the forums uh, maybe head over there and go into... I, I, there's got to be a thread about it somewhere. Um, go over there and, and, and see what they're saying, because I, I really can't remember. Uh, maybe it's not a wide enough appeal. Maybe they just want to focus on the Superman and Batman and Green Lantern projects. Who knows? I, I, I really don't. Maybe it's just too mature. Maybe they just cannot get it down to a PG-13. That's exactly what I was going to say next. I just that I just don't see how they could possibly get that storyline anything below an R. Well, have you seen Under the Red Hood yet? Yes, I have. It was oh, amazing. I mean, that was pushing an R. Yeah. I mean, so if they can get away with that, I think they could get away with actually doing the Judas contract. They may have to tone down or eliminate the nature of the slade Terra relationship, which I know a lot of people would not like. Me, I'm kind of indifferent. I'd like to see it on screen, you know, just to see a true adaptation, if if yeah. for nothing else. Uh, but at the same time, I have no problem with them cutting it because seriously, having a grown man sleep with a teenager, they're they're gonna get an R for that. They're just gonna. Um, so it may boil down to that. All right. Next one's from Aaron. Who writes, "Here's how I figure the royalty of Tamaran worked: Coriander and Commander." Uh, that being Blackfire, were likely raised by Galfor after their parents were killed somehow. Since neither of them were old enough to take the, fr- the throne, they stayed with Galfor while a steward or ruling council kept Tamaran running in the absence of actual royalty, as is customary for many traditional Earth kingdoms. At some point, Coriander traveled to Earth. After all, she wasn't the heir to the throne anyway, and she didn't need to stay on Tamaran. Blackfire probably wasn't old enough to claim her birthright until she'd broken out of prison anyway, hence why she wasn't already Empress in Sisters. After all, that was a full two seasons prior. And hey, maybe by the time of Betrothed, Starfire was also old enough to become Empress, seeing as how no one on Tamaran argued with her. Hmm. Or maybe they just didn't argue because she beat the ever-loving Glorf Dunk out of their last (laughs) Empress. By the way, you two are both crazy to assume that Teen Titans takes place before BTAS. Crazy, I tells you. That is all. (laughs) 
Well, I, oh, first off, we'll get into the continuity stuff in a second. But um, uh, good call there with, you know, trying to figure out how the uh, royal family's working there and uh, interpreting Starfire's line. I know we have another email about that down the line. Um, in fact, why don't we jump to that one next? Uh, let's it, see. That, is that the one from Adonis? It's a really short one, yeah. Oh, no, that's probably not it. Okay. This, uh, well, this one talks about how they came into power, but it's not exactly a short email. Okay, uh, then we'll get to it when we get to it then. No worries. Um, as for it, you know, it taking place before BTS, yeah, it does cause some problems, and we've mentioned this before. When you look at the technology in BTS, you know, it's all the TVs are in black and white, except the occasional mistake. Um you know, the cop cars look like they're straight out of the 40s. I mean, it looks like that Max Fleischer Superman series. And this, there's there's sci-fi tech all over the place. And I think the way we've reconciled it is, is if you can accept Batman the Animated Series is in the same continuity as Superman the Animated Series and Justice League, which has super advanced technology, both those other cartoons, okay? And let's just say Superman, which is maybe like, takes place like just a year or two after BTAS ends, but before it becomes, you know, Gotham Knights. If you look at those two shows, the technology is so different. Maybe Gotham City is just trapped in some weird, not not literally like a time bubble, but just, it's just, it's just an, an what's the word I'm looking for? An, an anachronism? Is that Anachronism, it? yeah. When, when it comes to the rest of the world, it just likes being this kind of 1940s-ish city. And when Robin... Dick left Gotham at some point during his teen years and went off to the West Coast, I believe it's San Francisco, that city's just as advanced as the rest of the world. And again, Gotham's just kind of stuck where it is. If anything, you could make an argument for Batman the Animated Series not being in continuity. I know that's where the DCAU starts, and I'm not saying it isn't in continuity, but if you really look at it, you could actually claim that show is not. Um, and the first true Batman in the DCAU would then be the Gotham Knights Batman. I'm not saying that. Again, I'm not trying to stir up more continuity controversy. <laughs> but people could make the argument. Not me, though. Not me. Or James. Or James. This, you know, this, <laughs> yeah, keep me out of this. <laughs> yeah, no one on WFP is actually saying that. I'm just saying <laughs> other people could. All right. Uh, <laughs> next email is from Adonis, who will address the Starfire oh, okay. and Blackfire thing here. But first he says, uh, first I want to clarify a previous question posed. I asked why filmmakers made live-action movies out of comics and video games, etc. What I was really asking is why make live-action films as opposed to a CGI film or cartoon, not why make a film at all. Like you said, some films don't work, but some do work in live-action. I was only asking why choose that medium when there are other options. Um, People people love seeing live-action. Yeah, they do. I mean, Avatar aside, you know, people want adults want to go to the theater to see real actors not a a glorified cartoon again avatar aside i really believe avatar was an anomaly um so that that that's the way i see it but uh what i want you guys to do is go to earth2.net and listen and download and then listen to better in the dark 87 where tom Derek, and their guest michael bailey uh, discuss the Justice League and all its incarnations uh, on television. And this topic actually comes up about if they were to do a Justice League movie or even a new Superman movie, should it be live action or should it be 3D animated such as Avatar? It's a really great episode that you guys have to check out. So so make sure you do that. 
Now about Red X. First of all, I really like this character. It's someone who is able to take on all of the Titans and hold his own all by himself. And he does it in style as well. But unlike you two, I actually like the fact that they never gave an answer to the mystery because it allows us to theorize and discuss just like you guys did. I don't think it hurts the show at all. In fact, if they did reveal who it was and it turned out to be some, just some random guy that gets his jollies by stealing from superheroes and villains, that'd be really lame. That being said, Mike, I love the Larry theory, and it makes a lot of sense. Maybe you could do something about him being Red X for your next T-shirt. <laughs> well, we have to be very careful about what we put on T-shirts, as we've learned. Maybe. I'll see if I can somehow figure out uh, an idea for a T-shirt, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't really buy the Larry theory myself. Yeah, but... <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> a lot of people don't if you go by the forums. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've read some of those comments. <laughs> Very, very impassioned. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> on to the Starfire Blackfire stuff. Uh, you guys were discussing how Blackfire came into power, but what do you guys? What you guys have to remember is that they are aliens from a di very different planet with very different customs. So let's assume that when Blackfire left prison, she came back to Tamaran and killed her parents and took control. Maybe that is acceptable in Tamaranian culture, <laughs> and that's why Starfire didn't accuse her, or could be some other Tamaranian reason. Also, I always hate in movies and TV when aliens speak English, but the way... Black and Starfire learned English was from kissing. Maybe when Blackfire returned to the planet, she kissed someone, and that person wasn't able to speak the language, and the person transferred to another, and another, and another, and so forth. Just a theory, but it's let's that's just me justifying it. You know, that's that's not um, that's not a bad idea there. And Brian, our next emailer, poses his own theory. In regards to Blackfire's ruling, perhaps she was in jail and Starfire was on Earth. Someone else was ruling as a proxy, and Blackfire just took the throne back from them. Oh, okay, maybe. Sure. I think that was the shorter one I was talking about there. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Next one is from Christian who writes, Hey guys, there was another fuck-up I made in my previous email in addition to the one Mike pointed out about the Superman film and its villain. That being that a sequel to Green Lantern First Flight was in the works. Instead, Tim and company are working on a film about the origin of the corpse called Green Lantern Emerald Knights. Oh, okay. Mike, hope you're feeling better after your root canal. Visits to the yeah. dentist office suck ass. Brother Blood closely resembles Ra's al Ghul, save that he has gray hair and lacks the double beard. And it makes me wonder whether it was because of this similarity that Ra's never made it to the Batman, which ran around the same time. I've revisited the Batman recently, but am rather, still rather underwhelmed by it. I know you've expressed your opinions about the Batman's incarnations of the Joker, Mr. Freeze, and the Riddler in passing, but what did you think of its versions of Bane, Clayface, Penguin, and Harley Quinn, voiced incidentally by Hinden Walsh? James, have you, you've seen the Batman, right? Yeah. What, what, what were you thinking about those characters there? Bane. I, yeah, especially I Bane, because you are a Bane fan, where I'm sort of indifferent to Bane. All, all I remember about Bane from that show is that he was just some humongous red monster. Yeah, yeah. So I probably wasn't crazy about it, but I don't remember. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, And I don't. I had never saw Clayface and Harley Quinn, but the Penguin, When does since when does Penguin know martial arts? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> P.S. I know it's a while from now, but if you do lists during your DCAU WFP retrospective in episode 100, like For Your Ears Only did in their retrospective on the Bond films, could you please do one ranking the greatest douchebags in the DCAU? There seem to be an unusual number of them, including, but not limited to, John Stewart, Gil Mason, uh, Superman whenever dealing with Jack Sor and Mala, <laughs> and a character we'd all like to forget from Batman Beyond. <laughs> and most of the scientific community in the Zeta Project. Well, by definition, isn't any villain a douchebag? I mean, so we'd have to we'd have to literally think about like every villain ever. 
I mean, you got to put well, what's his face on there, Professor Milo. You got to put him on oh, there. God. <laughs> oh God! Here's my this is my explanation for the using the word douchebag. Mm-hmm. You saw the losers, right? Yeah, loved it. Uh, that guy in that movie was the biggest douchebag villain ever. Yeah, he was just he was a total just asshole. Yeah, <laughs> he, he wasn't. He was he was more of a douchebag than he was evil. Right, if that yeah. makes any sense at all. No, it does. That's why I think if we were, gonna, I mean, we're kind of doing our not a list now, but rattling. You know, I can, I can rattle off a couple of douchebags right here, and I think the top of that list would be Red X. If you think about it, in the uh, the, the the episode of the Ding Dong Daddy, yeah, like. He's just in that race to fuck with Robin. I said this last time. He doesn't really want the briefcase. He probably already knows what's in it because he's Larry. So <laughs> he seriously, he's just there to be a douchebag. That is it. He's not trying to be evil. He's just fucking with the kid. You know, <laughs> that's douchey. So I kind of got to go with Red X right now. <laughs> no, you know what? No, not Red X. Red X, I would maybe put it number two. Number one, I would put, and we're going to talk about this episode next time on WFP, the Captain Motherfucker from Troc. Oh, yeah. The racist douchebag. That's yeah. him. He's mm-hmm. the top of the list. I would have to think about this, again, because you, you have to use the term douchebag in a certain way, in a certain mm-hmm. context here. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, next email is from Ross. It's hi, all the way from Australia. This is awesome. I love it when we get international emails. This mm-hmm. is great. Uh, I can't believe this truly brilliant podcast is going to end in only 17 short episodes. Yeah. I can honestly say that I don't remember a time when I haven't been driving along to your voices. My girlfriend lives an hour away, so I usually get a podcast in per trip up and back. Anyway, I've never been a big fan of Teen Titans ever since the animation style threw me off with the first few episodes I saw. However, now I'm going to go out and track these DVDs down by import. Just a few questions, though. Any chance to get a review of Batman Under the Red Hood animated movie? (laughs) I managed to see it just the other day, and I was thoroughly impressed. The dark tone and music plus voice cast fit the bill perfectly. I never thought I'd say it, but Bruce Greenwood as Batman slash Bruce Wayne uh, made me forget about Kevin Conroy for the 75-minute running time until I saw the new CGI trailer for DC Universe Online. Mm -hmm. It's good to hear the uh, Bruce Greenwood will be voicing Batman in the new animated tune, Young Justice. Well, we still have to do Green Lantern First Flight. <laughs> Which I still have not watched yet. <laughs> Which we're, gonna, of course, going to bring Tom in for. We still have to do Crisis on Two Earths. Um, and... Which I don't even own. I, at least I own the Green Lantern movie. I just haven't watched it yet. <laughs> and then Under the Hood. So, Which I have seen, yeah. so that's a plus on the that's that's a step up on the other two. Yeah, it's it's all we've said it many times at this point, guys. It's just scheduling, you know. James, myself, and Ian, we still have to do the final edition of the Dark Knight discussions. Um, so that's At least being a few planned. years until Batman Three comes out. Yeah, and then of course Batman Three. Right. I mean, it's just like. Yeah, we'll get them. Obviously, not on World's Finest Podcast on Earth Two Dot Net the show, but. You know, we will keep you guys updated. What I will tell you is, let's just say, and it's not that hard to imagine, that we don't get to cover um, those three films. Let's say four films. First Flight, um, what's the one I'm forgetting in the middle there? Crisis on Two Earths. Right, Two Earths, uh, Red Hood, and then toss in The Dark Knight within the next year, okay? Uh, like we start getting them done, but we don't finish them until after WFP is over. Even once WFP is over, keep 
subscribed, continue to be subscribed to the WFP iTunes feed, okay? Because I'll occasionally post updates in there, letting you know when we're going to be covering those things over on Earth2.net, the show. So you folks won't be rid of us. Right, exactly. We're still going to be around. Another question I have, is there any chance that we'll be getting a review of the Batman Beyond comics, the new ones? I haven't picked them up yet, but I'm interested in hearing your thoughts. So far, all I've heard is that they're a continuation from the animated series. If you covered this on an Earth 2 podcast, just let me know and I will download. Actually, we have. I'm pulling it up right now. I'm going to tell you these two things in order, actually. Um, let me see. If you go to earth2.net, download earth2.net, the show 412. In that, Preston Nelson and I, uh, we did an episode, we did a, a first issue special segment, and we did speak about Batman Beyond number one. So there's that. Now, yesterday, that's yesterday, well, technically, no, today, as of this recording, by the time you hear this on Wednesday, it will have been yesterday, um, Hannah Kruger reviewed Batman Beyond number two for the site. It's a written review. So, yeah, listen to episode 412 of the show and then go read Hannah's written review uh, for the written version of Is It Wednesday Yet? Well, I'm off to get some work done. Been nice. Uh, been with you guys since episode 12, and I'll continue to support you both with whatever comes next. Congratulations on the new, if problematic, house, James, and to Mike on popping the question and getting a yes. Ah, so there's someone who knew. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All righty, let's see. Last one today is from Patrick, who writes, Dear WFP, I've been listening to your reviews of Teen Titans and thought your and your thoughts are funny as heck. Although Teen Titans can be both funny and dark at the same time, it's still a great show. I've seen Crash and thought that Beast Boy uh, going into the internet pirate gig was a little unfair since he's a good guy, and downloading games and movies illegally is wrong. Yes, Look what happens. wrong. <laughs> Look! Look what happened in Napster years ago. Is showing kids uh, is, is a show teaching kids that even superheroes can download a pirated stuff. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be fair, look what happened when he downloaded that stuff. You know, I mean, yeah. he infected his best buddy with a very deadly virus. Sure, that's not what happens in the real world. You don't infect your cybernetic friend with a deadly virus. But <laughs> it's not like he was like, "This is the best game ever, guys. I'm gonna go put it up on the BitTorrent now." That's not what he did. You know, he got screwed over because of it. <laughs> yeah, frankly, that's if you're going to be, you know, downloading pirated movies, that's a risk you're going to take. You're going to probably get viruses every once in a while. Yeah. Just saying. Exactly. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, any of you guys planning on getting Marvel vs. Capcom 3? I've got MVC 2 for my PS2, and it kicks butt. To me, they need to add characters that aren't in the last two games. Who do you think they should have added? Well, I am getting MVC 3 because... MVC2 is my favorite 2D fighter of all time, so I've got to get number three. Um, super excited that they put Deadpool in there. Uh, that's going to be awesome. I've seen a trailer for it, and it shows Deadpool using his health bar as a weapon. <laughs> that's wild. I haven't seen that, but I've heard of that. That sounds so good. <laughs> and also, they... Have, Going more here on Deadpool, that he's he screams at you while you're playing, saying like you hit the wrong button. Oh yeah, yeah. stuff like that. It's it's awesome. I will master that character if it takes me a year. I've um, heard. Does he yell Hadouken? Because I think he does. Actually, a, there was an issue of I don't know if it was one of his comics. I think yeah, I think it was the old Deadpool comic where he Hadoukened Kitty Pride. No, he's sure you can. Sure, that's it. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> And I, I've heard he d repeats that in the game. So, yeah, yeah. 
He he, damn well better. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and let's see. I'm, I know they they're going to add Thor. He's going to be in the game. Um, I'm trying to think if there are any other new characters that I know of that were announced, but I really can't think of them at the present moment. I'll buy it as soon as someone else buys me a PS3 or an Xbox 360. <laughs> it's going to be on both systems, right? I got to assume. I believe so. Yeah. Okay. As for what characters I'd want, I don't know everybody who's in there. So I can't say this is who I'd want because maybe they are in there. Um, maybe Spider-Man 2099, but he's going to be in that Spider-Man, what is it, Shattered Dimensions, which looks pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll get, well, again, if I get those systems, you know, I'll get a Spider-Man 2099 video game fix somewhere down the line. But uh, yeah, I don't I don't know who, who, to, who to suggest should be in there. I don't. Um, let me think. I'm... I'm... I'm trying to think if there's uh, just some characters that I would like to see in there. Because, I mean, they're going to have Wolverine and Ryu right. and Captain America. Oh, Dante. Dante from Devil May Cry is going to be a new character. Oh, in that cool. One. Okay. If they can make him different and not just a skin swap than Steve Rogers, I would like to see the Bucky Barnes Captain America um, with the metal arm and his gun that he carries. But they definitely got to give him different powers and different fighting style. You know, I want to say that Super Scroll is going to be a character in this. Oh, that's cool. That's very cool. I would like to see some Darkstalker characters that weren't in the game. Like, get rid of Anacharis and put in Donovan with the gigantic sword. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Because that was always my favorite character in Darkstalker. So, there. Excellent. (laughs) Finishing up the email here. Did you see the trailer to the grown live-action Yogi Bear movie. <laughs> to me, it will bomb because it doesn't have the feel of Hanna-Barbera's cartoon magic that made Yogi, Scooby-Doo, and the Flintstones lovable. I'm getting sick of these CGI characters that don't look like their cartoon counterparts instead of hand-drawn animation. That's what made Roger Rabbit great. It's the magic of the animator's heart and soul that makes these characters popular. Keep up the good work as usual, Patrick. Yeah, I was unfortunate enough to catch the trailer. I didn't know they were doing a live-action Yogi Bear. Then I see this trailer... And I'm just like, oh my god. The only good thing I can say about it, and this is not sarcasm at all, is that Justin Timberlake as Boo Boo is actually kind of good. He's the voice of Boo Boo? Yeah. That's pretty funny, actually, yeah. And, and I think it's Dan Aykroyd is the voice of Yogi Bear, and that's it does not sound good at all. It sounds like someone doing a bad Yogi Bear. Now, maybe the little kids that this is aimed at, they're not going to care. They don't know the Yogi Bear that we grew up with, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, I was... I mean, I think Justin Timberlake is, is a very underrated actor. He's hilarious. Uh, yeah, I, I haven't <laughs> seen much of his comedy. I've seen a little bit, and I do think he's funny. Um, as, a, as a dramatic actor, I've seen him in a couple of roles that I thought he was good in, and now he's proving to be a pretty decent voice actor, too. Hello, my duckies. Oh, Mad Mod! So sorry to interrupt, but your revolution will not be televised. Matter of fact, it's been outright cancelled, as in, it never happened! Don't look! American colonies have been rebellious long enough. I'm reclaiming this city in the name of jolly old England. 
And you lot had best bow down before your new ruler, King Moddy the First. <laughs> that would be me. First up today is Revolution. You know, I love Mad Mod episodes because the summary is so easy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you haven't guessed, Mad Mod has returned <laughs> and, uh, he is taking over America with his hypnotic mind control stuff, and his reasoning is because it's the 4th of July, and he, being the oversensitive Brit that he is, is attempting to rewrite history by brainwashing everyone into believing that the American Revolution never happened. <laughs> so he, what he does is he kidnaps Robin, holds him prisoner, and steals his youth for his own with that cane of his. And so this leaves the other four Titans to have to come up with some kind of plan to save Robin and stop uh, Mad Mod. And they each come up with their own plans uh, to try to take Mod down, but each individual plan fails. So the Titans eventually regroup at City Hall, and Starfire, who has an amazing understanding of democracy for not understanding a lot of Earth customs, uh, comes up with like a, a brilliant idea of a full frontal assault and um, it actually does work for a while, but then Starfire, Raven, and Cyborg get captured. And Mod's like, oh, wait a minute, where's the green guy? And Starfire's like, now! And so Beast Boy flies down as a flying squirrel and <laughs> runs into Mod's jacket and, I guess, tickles the cane away from him. And with the help of Cyborg's flying robotic arm... Uh, the cane manages to get into Robin's grasp, and he takes his youth back, breaks the cane. All the little robotic soldiers Mod was using fall down, and his youth is restored, and they chase Mod to end the episode. That's pretty much it. I mean, I didn't really miss anything, did I? No, not at all. It, it, it's just, as you said, Robin gets old, they run around, they chase Moddy at the end. That's it. You know? <laughs> yep. Uh, this episode should have been called Monty, Tython, uh, Monty Titans and the Yellow Submarine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, honestly, yeah, this is a really light episode, but even still, it's a fun episode. Damn right it is. And <laughs> I it love this episode. really good. I love what they were doing with the backgrounds there. Um, yeah. You know, the, all the art style, it's it's all an homage to Yellow Submarine. Uh, okay, okay. I, was, I wasn't sure about that. Um I thought it might have been all an homage to, like, a Monty Python. Well, that, the other little realistic things where he appears, like, Mod appears above the clouds. Yeah, I knew that was That's a Monty Python. Terry Gilliam-style yeah. Monty Python animation. So. Yeah. And the, the giant foot. foot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah and I'm sure there were uh, some other references I didn't pick up on, or didn't even if I was picking up on them, didn't know quite what they were. But that didn't stop me from just really laughing at this one. It's not deep. It's it's not one I would necessarily throw in the next time I'm hankering for some Titans, but I wouldn't also not throw it in at the same time. It's there, and it's funny, and that's exactly what it's meant to be. So on that level, it succeeds. Uh, what are you thinking? Oh, yeah. Like I said, I love this episode. I, I, I love it to death. It's got so many great homages to Monty Python and the Beatles, because that's really all this episode is. It's mm -hmm. just... It's supposed to be an homage to those two entities. Yeah. Um, the Titans hiding in the phone booths and the park bench was taken straight from A Hard Day's Night. Oh, okay. Uh, the Titans running in slow motion. 
reference to Abbey uh, Abbey Road, mm-hmm. um, and the like. The art style was an homage to Yellow Submarine, uh, the movie that which the Beatles really weren't in until the end of it. But um, then there's the Monty Python half of the the homages. You got the constant uh, yelling of "Run away!" Mister uh, or Mrs. Gorilla and Mrs. Non Gorilla make a little cameo in there. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think of the, and I already mentioned uh, when Maude appears above the clouds, very clear uh, Monty Poth- my, eh, Python <laughs> style animation. Um, there's another one uh, that's maybe not as well known. It's neither a Beatles uh, nor a uh, Monty Python reference, but when Maude says your your revolution will not be televised, mm-hmm. that's a slight modification of the revolution will not be televised, which is a Gil Scott Heron song, but it was. Also a slogan for a movement in Queensland that demanded freedom of expression. Yeah, yeah. I pretty much rattled off all my notes because they're all making sure I didn't miss any of the the references. But, I mean, I love this episode. I could watch it any time. Did you know – this is a blink and you miss it thing, but when they showed the – Ben Franklin signing the Declaration of Independence, did you notice the little mouse? Yeah, what was that? That was a reference to Ben and Me, that old Disney animated little short film uh, where – the the mouse named Amos is responsible for pretty much all of Ben Franklin's inventions. Oh, okay. I don't remember that, but thank you for clearing that up. Because I was like, why is there a fucking mouse on his shoulder? <laughs> <laughs> there there was an animation glitch in this one, though. When Mad Mod shows the aged Robin on the uh, on the video screen, and the, uh, the Titans are going to rescue him. The R on Robin's chest disappears and reappears, I think, twice. Mm. And it's not just his body turning away. I mean, it's gone, completely gone. Um, so, yeah, that was kind of a big mistake. I mean, that's that's an identifying mark of the character. You can't get rid of it. <laughs> <laughs> um, a couple a couple other things I really liked about this one is, uh, you know, BB gets hypnotized again by Mad Bod. Yep, and <laughs> just, him just running around as, as a Brit the whole time, half the time. <laughs> and Raven smacking him. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, and I also liked that without Robin's leadership, Mad Mod actually became a very legitimate threat for the team. Because with you know Robin would have come up with a plan, or he would have unified their plans early on. But instead, because they didn't have him, it took them a whole episode to realize, hey, this part of your plan is good, this part of my plan's good, and yours and yours and yours, let's put these all together, and we have a way to beat this guy. Except for, like, the mutant gerbils. Right, whatever, yeah, that never Whatever the fuck Beast up. Boy was. T- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, uh, I, uh, uh, speaking of Beast Boy, uh, I love his line. Now I know how George Washington felt when Napoleon defeated him at, po- at Pearl Harbor. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God, that was hilarious. I like this other one where he's like, bangers and mash, bubble and squeak, toad in the hole, don't British people speak English? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I know it's short, but I don't know what else to say about this one. There's there's no substance. This is all style over substance, but it works. You don't feel gypped because of it. But there's not much more we can really say about it. Maybe you've got more to say, and please do, but I, I really don't. I'm the same way. I, I just wanted to make sure I got all those references in. Oh, of course, Patton, the George C. Scott oh, movie yeah. made a little with Beast Boy. Yeah. <laughs> that was another one. Yeah. Now, this is Mad Mod's 
he doesn't come back. Well, maybe he's in the two-part finale. Well, not finale, but, you know, the big, you know... Should have been finale. Yeah. Was he in that? That I don't remember. I think he was, but I don't remember for certain. But otherwise, this is it for him, right? Yeah. Because next season, it's the whole... Trigon. The whole Trigon stuff, and I don't remember him coming back, and in that final season... Again, maybe he's in that two-parter, but otherwise, no, I don't think so. Yep. Okay. Well, then this this was a good one to go on. We got really two good Mad Mod episodes. I think if they would have attempted a third, the gag would have kind of fell on its face. Because what could he do? I mean, the first time we see him, he goes after the five Titans, succeeds for a little bit, but then, of course, they beat him up. Now he's gone after the city, and he's going to go after the world eventually, and he's, he succeeded, and then the Titans beat him up. It, where does he go from there? Really. So this was a good place to kind of leave the character. An undersea fortress 50 miles off the coast, built by the former headmaster of the Hive Academy, Brother Blood. I'm pretty sure you guys have already met. Yeah, we go way back. I went undercover as one of his brainwashed students, but after I destroyed his school, we kind of lost touch. Because Blood moved out of your neighborhood and into mine. I tried to take him down on my own, but Blood uses mental powers to jam my telepathy. With no fish to help me. You got schooled. Pretty much. But I was able to contact an agent within the Hive and find out what the fortress is hiding. A massive sonic resonator capable of creating a tidal wave big enough to wipe out your entire city. (gasps) Dude! Yo! That's not just any sonic resonator! That's my sonic cannon! When you hacked into the Hive Academy computer, the Hive hacked into you. Blood downloaded everything in your central schematic database. He read my blueprints? My private blueprints? Andy's using your technology to attack the city. Then this is my mission. I'm taking Blood down with my own two hands. All right, listen up. While I go after him, y'all are gonna... Cyborg, they're your blueprints, so you're the only one who can shut down the resonator. While you're doing that, we will capture Blood. No, man, come on. This is personal. Just give me a chance to... There's no time. The resonator will be fully operational by sunset. Next up is Wavelength. In this one, and I have a feeling this is going to be another pretty short synopsis here, Aqualad shows up to the Titan's Tower and he says, Hey, get your trash out of my ocean. They're all like, what? And he reveals to them that Brother Blood has built some, like, Wavelength amplifier thingamajig, right? Yeah. That, when triggered, will cause a giant tidal wave that will just completely flood and destroy the city. Um, and Cyborg looks at it, and he's like, that's not just any wavelength amplifier thingamajiggy. I do not know why I couldn't pronounce that word there. That's my technology. So uh, Cyborg's really, really pissed off, because now this douchebag, there's another one for the list, too, Brother Blood is, is stealing Cyborg's tech to try to destroy the city. So... Uh, they, what do they do? They, oh, they, they go under, under sea to try to infiltrate the, the, the base, the new, pretty much the new, it's, I don't know if it's the new academy, but it is the big base. And, uh, what do you call it? At one point, uh, Aqualad says that someone had, he's got a friend that has infiltrated the high. And at this point, we don't know who that is. But once the Titans show up, um, Cyborg ends up tussling with a uh, another teenage, well, I was going to say hero, but another teenage character by the name of Bumblebee. And uh, while they're fighting, she ends up revealing to him that she is the spy. She is actually working with Aqualad. 
and uh, Cyborg and she, they just, they just do not get along. Um, mostly because Cyborg is so pissed off about his tech being used in this way. Um, so they're butting heads. Um, let's see. The Titans are all split off. They each have a duty. What is it? It's Beast Boy and Aqualad are supposed to bring down the shields around the generator, right? Yep. Um, Raven, Robin, and Starfire, uh, they're going after blood, aren't they? Uh, yeah. I mm-hmm. think so. And then Cyborg, because he knows the tech, is supposed to actually shut the machine down. Well, they all get in, in, in traps along the way, and Cyborg actually ends up having a showdown with Brother Blood, who really is kicking the shit out of him. Um, he's he's in Cyborg's head pretty much the way Slade was in Robin's head. Bumblebee shows up. She's able to knock uh, uh, Brother Blood down for a few seconds. Um, at that moment, uh, the shields do fall. Aqualad and Beast Boy were able to do that. Um, and Cyborg, he's actually able to trigger a pulse. Because uh, I should say, something I skipped over was that Brother Blood actually does trigger the device. So a tidal wave does start to go towards the city. But Cyborg is able to send out another tidal wave that crashes against the other tidal wave, sort of canceling it out before it destroys the tower and the city. Um, does Brother Blood get away, or do they capture him? I yeah. don't remember. No, he gets away. He gets away? Because he, he, I remember him saying, that's two headquarters you owe me now. Oh, yeah. And uh, uh, Bumblebee and uh, Aqualad, they say they're going to head east little clue is dropped there to kind of track him down while the Titans deal with whatever they have to deal with in their city. Um, did I leave anything else out in this one? No, not really. Okay, what were you thinking? Uh, okay, I wasn't overly thrilled with this episode just because I was not digging Brother Blood here at all. Okay. Just way over the top, yeah. too talkative. Um, and I think all that I need to say about that is Release the mind control squid. <laughs> that is like straight out of the 1960s type villainy. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I realize it's an homage to 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. I yeah. get that, but I don't care. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know, what were you thinking? Well, I was surprised we got another another Brother Blood episode. I forgot we got one more before the finale. Uh, last time we spoke about him, I think I was... I think I was pretty adamant that we only had the two stories with him. So it was a shock to see him come back. That was cool. Um, I liked that Aqualad came back, uh, thus setting up, you know, his return down the line in Titans East. Um, this is the first time we've seen Bumblebee, right? Um, Though she makes a reference to having been in Deception. She was in there in a cameo just in, like, the back or foreground, I think, in one of the lunchroom scenes of that episode. Okay, did she so have she any lines, the, though? No, no, she didn't okay. have any lines. Okay, so it was cool getting the second appearance, before, but really the first true appearance of that character, because I do like Bumblebee. She can be kind of bossy, but I don't I don't take her as being cocky. She just knows she's good, and there's, yeah, there's and a difference. Is. <laughs> she's right. a good... She's a she's great at what she does. Exactly, and that's why what happens at the end of Titans East happens at the end of Titans East. And, you know, and I don't know why I'm being cagey about it. I mean, she becomes the leader of that team because she deserves to be the leader of that team. Uh, I think she's a really good character. I like her uh, interplay with Cyborg, where when she reveals to him that it wasn't a real fight, she's like, well, if it was a real fight, you know, what did she say? You know, you couldn't beat me in a real fight. He's like, yeah, but if it was a real fight, I would have I would have creamed you. And she's like, you thought it was a real fight. (laughs) And he just stops and. 
then I think he like punches the 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 the, the control panel on the wall, putting the door in between them. <laughs> I think there's a few more lines in between that and the other thing I'd mentioned, but that's the gist of it. Um, she just gets on his nerves. Something and, else about uh, about her that's pretty cool. I think the lady who did her voice here, I cannot remember her name for the life of me, right. but. Uh, she was the same person who did the voice of the character in Static Shock, Nails, that girl who was running away from uh, Batman and Static. Okay, I don't remember the and character, if, but I vaguely remember the episode, okay. If you remember, that was the episode where Batman mentioned that uh, Robin was with the Titans. Oh, okay. okay. So that's kind of neat. Yeah, yeah, very cool. Briefly, I thought that um, Bumblebee was being voiced by She Who Shall Not Be Named. <laughs> um, who, who is that voice actress? Because we can name the voice uh, actress, just Chris, not the Chris character. Okay. Yeah, but then I saw it very clearly was not her. Um, so, okay, okay. Um, let's see. You know, I definitely, you know, I mentioned a few seconds or a few minutes ago, I liked the setting up of the finale. You know, they're heading east. Uh, Robin's getting bossy. Cyborg's getting frust- frustrated with Robin's bossiness. It's, it's not as layered as it was with the previous season. But it doesn't need to be at the same time. Mm-hmm. They can just drop a few lines here and there where, what does Robin say? It's time to go. And I think Cyborg says, yeah, it may be or something like that. Yeah. Um, just just a nice little touch, a nice little way to end the episode. Like, ooh, what's that about? Okay. And then when it actually does play out in Titans East and you rewatch this, you're like, ah, okay, okay. And, uh, you know, I'm kind of jumping the gun, but I think when you put these three stories together, the three brother, brother blood ones, though brother blood is over the top here and kind of in Titans East too, you end up with a nice little arc for cyborg. Yeah. yeah. It, he, you know, he finally gets his big bad villain. Robin has Slade and Raven has uh Trigon and, uh, you know, beast boy will have the brain and the brotherhood and even Starfire has Blackfire. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so this is Cy- Cyborg's turn to shine. Yeah, he, he does get someone. Not the best villain for him, but they, they do a decent enough job with it, for sure. Um, oh, though he appeared a little off-model at times, in the in, in the face, I liked when they did a close-up on Cyborg, like when Bumblebee was like flying around his nose. Yeah, You could see yeah. he actually had a cybernetic eye. It wasn't just like a red thing in his face. There actually is some computer eyeball in there. That was really neat. Well, and there was more definition on his human skin too well that's what i was saying he he might appear a little off model there but it still looked really cool you know because yeah. i just chalked it up to oh he's just straining his face trying to see this little thing floating in front of his nose you know <laughs> speaking of which cyborg killed bumblebee squish how did he squish when, her i don't remember when he clapped his hands together oh yeah <laughs> she was like what whatever is five inches tall yeah uh she may have a little bit of super strength, which I believe they do show she has. Yeah, she, but, she knocks some people out when she's B-sized. Yeah, yeah. But I'm sorry. No, you're dead. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. that's seriously like, um, let me think. I would say Henry Pym uh, clapping his hands against Wasp. Okay, okay, yeah. yeah. And Cyborg was even trying to step on her at one point. Yeah. She's alive, but she's in some kind of trance. She's healing herself. And you're telling me I did that to her? That's impossible. We found you with her. No, I wouldn't. I mean, we had a fight, but I would never. She was in your teeth. That's a lie! 
I'm going to ask you to keep your voice down. What's happening to me? I'm picking up traces of recombinant DNA. It's not human. The chemicals at the lab? Because of the shape-shifting, his genetic code was always unstable. Maybe it's just... finally falling apart. Raven... She's gonna be alright, isn't she? I mean... she's not moving. What have I done? Next up is The Beast Within. In this one, the Titans are fighting another douchebag. Hey, what a shock. Uh, this one in a robotic suit, and he goes by the name of Adonis. And he pretty easily handles the Titans until he pisses off Beast Boy uh, one too many times. So Beast Boy unleashes the fucking fury on him and knocks him into a chemical tank that gets all over each of them. Uh, Adonis' suit is wrecked, and Beast Boy you know, is covered in this chemical, and his demeanor has really changed for the, for the angry. And we the next day, he starts eating meat. He eats Robin's ham and eggs, and Robin's like, uh, dude, you're a vegan. What the hell are you doing? Um, and he's also turned into a machismo asshole because he starts... He starts treating Starfire like she's a maid, and um, he then bumps into Raven in the hallway and picks a fight with her over it, and uh, he ends up morphing into this huge beast uh, thing, it, it, like a monkey, but slightly off. It's just weird looking. Yeah. And the Titans intervene, and they tell him, you can take your attitude and stick it up your ass somewhere other than the tower. So Beast Boy goes to his room, starts knocking shit over everywhere and he starts convulsing and then he turns into this gigantic beast thing and when it it looks like he attacks raven when she knocks on his door later on and the next thing we know they're both missing and the titans have to track them down so they track raven's communicator to a sewer but she's nowhere to be seen they hear a growl they go searching around and they find beast boy's belt and they then find the beastie holding Raven in its mouth by her cloak and Beast Boy what we assume is Beast Boy kicks cyborgs and Robin's asses all over the sewer but they do finally knock him out and then we go back to the tower and we find out what or they find out rather what the chemicals did to Beast Boy's DNA and Robin pulls a Batman like maneuver and just pisses him off into morphing into a beast and at this point it tries to attack uh, Raven several times seemingly but they force him out of the tower and Cyborg and Robin tangle with him out in the city while uh, Raven wakes up and tells Starfire that Beast Boy didn't hurt her he saved her so we go back into the sewers again and Robin and Cyborg are preparing to attack Beast Boy but then another identical beast attacks them from behind and it goes after Beast Boy and beats the crap out of him for a while uh, until he gets a second win and he pulls off a Capcom like combo on the, the evil beastie yeah, he goes a little Blanca, doesn't he? Yes, he does. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and I think he even sure you can sim if I remember correctly. <laughs> uh, so anyway, the evil beast turns out to be Adonis. There's a shocker. Mm -mm. And later, Beast Boy apologizes to Raven, who comforts him in saying she also knows what it's like to have something of a beast inside of her, too. What are you thinking? I thought this was a really good, dark episode. Mm -hmm. Going in, I really wasn't expecting much from this one. I didn't remember too much about it. I mean, I remembered the twist 
at the end. I remember that it was Adonis, that there were two identical beasties, that it wasn't Beast Boy that was treating Raven this way. Um, but sitting down to watch it again, this is... It's scary seeing Beast Boy transform like that. I don't mean into the monster, but seeing his attitude change, his overall personality. Um, you know, because he is going from a very mild-mannered fellow into someone who's not going to take anybody's shit anymore. And maybe it's the chemical, maybe it's not. We aren't really sure, you know? Um, and when, when all the stuff starts happening and, you know, they're they're threatening him, you know, when they've got him captured and they're yelling at him and Robin's like, you know, you have to remember or I have to treat you like any other criminal and send you to jail. You know, granted, I think Robin's just trying to scare him. Yeah, he's definitely bluffing there. Because think about it. Robin himself became a criminal twice in the run of the show so far, you know, so I don't think he'd really do it. But it's still, you know, you have to stop and think about it. Does he mean that or not? So there's that. There's the really good bonding moment with BB and Raven at the end. And she even says, quit joking around. We're, we're bonding here, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and he um, continues to joke around. Right, exactly. Like, you should call me Beast Man from now on. And then, what, what, then when she says, stop joking. Beast Dude? Beast Dude, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it, it surprised me how good this one was. What about you? Yeah, I dig this one. It's... Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't quite like it as much as I did the Mad Mod episode, but it's still uh, it's still going to get a really good grade for me. Um, you've seen a lot of Powerpuff Girls, right, Mike? Oh, I've seen everything, pretty much everything, yeah. Yeah, you remember the episode Bubble Vicious where Bubbles doesn't take anybody's shit anymore? Yeah, yeah. That's pretty much exactly what this episode reminded me of. <laughs> you know what? There's going to be another Powerpuff Girls reference in the next episode. <laughs> I'm sure there will be. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I do. I, I really have very, very few notes for this one, but because I was just sitting back and watching it because it's very much like i like an american werewolf in london mm, okay yeah yeah um yeah i i just i dig it i i love i love beast boy becoming a macho asshole yeah, for, yeah. for a few minutes there yeah. <laughs> because it, it's just it's great to see him out of his element um emotionally yeah there was a nice little touch that i enjoyed where you know he starts lifting weights and at one point, I think it's the last time we see him in the weight room, when you look at his bench press, it's got a ton of weights on it, but he's also strapped, like, buckets of water and cinder blocks to it just to put more weight on it, because mm-hmm. he just ran out of actual weights. I was like, oh, that was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's see. Oh, the very first note I wrote down actually did come back into play. When Adonis, in the beginning, knocks down Raven, he's, like, on top of her. And he starts getting, like, kind of rapey. Yeah. And I was like, I wrote down, was Adonis gonna rape Raven? And then when you watch the whole episode, and you find out it was Adonis that was kidnapping her, now, you know, and it's like, ooh, he was gonna have his way with her in his beastly form in those sewers had Beast Boy not saved her ass, quite literally. Um, I was like, that is really frightening extremely frightening it gets a little too real you know you watch these cartoons to watch you know beast boy turn into a beast and fight another guy that can turn into a beast you know but then you add this other element onto it and it's like that hits a little too close to home and you know just home being the real world you know it's that's very reminiscent of annie oh yeah 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 but i'm gonna say the same thing i said when the annie episode rolled around i 
understand how it could uh, offend somebody or uh, upset them, but in really in the context of this episode, this is pretty much a horror episode. Yeah. yeah. So I can, I, I mean, I, I don't take issue with it in in such a way, mm-hmm. but yeah. I understand it's very very intense. Oh yeah. Um, now, now, all that said, all my all my gushing about this episode, okay? Did you notice the huge flub in like the first like three four minutes of this episode? No, probably okay. not. Beast Boy is standing there taunting Adonis, obviously in their first fight. Okay, Adonis runs after him. Beast Boy jumps out of the way, and Adonis smashes a desk. The problem was there was no desk behind Beast Boy. The second Beast Boy runs away and Adonis brings his fist down, a desk breaks, but there was no desk there. And it's not like a little school desk that Beast Boy could have been hiding. It's an office-sized desk. <laughs> it's it's blatant and it's it's pathetic how big of a mistake it is. It's worse than Robin's R disappearing in Revolution. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, and I saw that. I mean, I, I went back and watched it three times just to make sure there was no desk there. And there's no desk there. I mean, was it, like, right behind Beast Boy in the yeah. second camera pan? No, it's the same shot. They don't even, like, move the camera. Wow. So it's not like Adonis went, like, ten feet past Beast Boy and smashed some shit against the wall. It's literally, he's bringing his hands down where Beast Boy was standing. Had Beast Boy not jumped out of the way, he would have been the one that was smashed, but he smashed a non-existent desk. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> it's bad. Seriously, everybody, go back and watch that. That's terrible. Um, a couple other things about this one. Beast Boy, at a couple of times, transforms into, like, Bigfoot. Like the, Yeah, that's the, that's what I was trying to think of, that, that what, kind of monkey-looking no, thing. No, 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 no. Not when he's in that big monkey form that Adonis turns into. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, I thought that's what no, it was. No, no. In a couple points in this story, he actually turns into the Bigfoot from the, you know, fake photograph that's been floating around for, like, 40 years now. Huh. And I, I couldn't remember if this is the first time he's done that. I'm not sure if it is, but I'm like, that's Bigfoot. <laughs> I don't know. Now, now I have a question here. How come when Beast Boy morphs in this story, his clothes get all torn up like the Hulk's? But when he turns into dinosaurs and gorillas and things in other episodes, his to- clothes don't get torn. Like, what's going on there? I, I have no idea. The only thing I can think of is <laughs> the chemicals changed him into an animal that- the suit doesn't recognize. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> it's Fuck, much just... more violent. So <laughs> it's it's unwind because he doesn't know he's changing. Maybe that's it. I don't know. Truth. Suki is a mutant monster created by the evil killer moth, but that does not make him a bad mutant monster. <laughs> he attacked Cyborg. He ate my best leg. And I am sure he is very sorry for that. What? I'm not the one who fed him radioactive space berries. I'm sorry, Starfire, but he has to go. Next up is Can I Keep Him? This one is actually a sequel to, what was it called, Date with Destiny? Yes. Yeah. Uh, what's happening here is uh, the Titans get back from, oh, they were fighting, what was his name, Johnny Rotten? 
Johnny Rancid. Johnny Rancid, that's it. In in out in the street, he's got some giant mechanical dog thing. When they get back to the tower, something has like eaten everything in the tower. And I don't just mean the food. I mean the couch and the TV and everything's all busted up. And uh, they're like, "What could have done this?" And Beast Boy's like, "Ha ha ha! I don't know." And uh, so they start searching. And uh, Beast Boy <laughs> grabs Starfire, and he's like, "Okay, you remember when Robin had to go on that date with that girl?" Killer Moth's daughter, and at the end, I was like, hey, can I keep one of these maggot thingies? And y'all were like, no. Beast Boy's like, well, I did. And apparently <laughs> he's hungry, and he's eating everything, and they're going to search my room, and they're going to find him, they're going to make me get rid of him, and his name's Silky, and I love him, so please, 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 please help me out here, because I don't want to get rid of him. Uh, Starfire, she, she takes one look at Silky, and she starts, she becomes an expectant mother. She sees you know, herself playing with Silky in the park, reading him bedtime stories, uh, cuddling with him, looking out at the stars, and then eventually it all culminates in watching Silky graduate from college. And and no, I'm not making that up. And uh, so she's like, yes, I will help you. So she sneaks off to her room with Silky, uh, just as Cyborg and Raven um, come into Bibi's room to uh, check to see if there's anything weird in there. Uh, uh, Starfire... In, in an effort to keep Silky from crying, she uh, she she feeds him what are they Gnorfka berries or something, something like that. <laughs> yeah, she fe- feeds him some of her Tamaranian food, and just one berry. And uh, she she walks away for a second to get him something else. He ends up eating the entire jar of the berries, and uh, when she turns around, he is huge, absolutely huge. So she's flipping out, especially now that Cyborg and Raven are knocking on her door. Um, when they come in, Silky's gone. Um, it turns out that it has eaten a hole through her floor underneath her bed. That's how it got away. So the two Titans who aren't in the know, they're like, shit, now we got to search the whole tower all over again. Uh, at some point, Cyborg's sitting in like his garage or something, and uh, some like barf, basically, some purple barf from the berries strips on his head. <laughs> and uh, he sees Silky. Silky falls down on top of him, eats his leg. And uh, the Titans go to blast it, but Starfire's like, no, this is my Silky. And Beast Boy's like, that's Silky. What'd you feed him? Um, let's see. So the Titans, they, they convince Star. They're like, look, you you got to get rid of him. You know, he, he's eating us out of house and home, literally. Please, please, please get rid of him. So she very reluctantly bl- brings him to like a very, like a cliff island thing. And... Uh, you know, it doesn't want her to go. It, it loves her. And uh, she doesn't want to leave it either. Uh, but it, it reaches out and grabs her leg. And uh, she, as gently as she can, kind of blasts its, its little claw ham thing. It starts crying. Um, as she flies away, we see a shadowy figure on top of the cliff watching the whole thing. And it turns out it's Killer Moth. Yes. Um, so then the Titans, they get an alert that something's going on. Um Johnny Rancid, that's his name, yeah, Johnny Rancid, sorry. Um, he's uh, he's in the street, he's got another pet that's going to attack the Titans. Uh, Starfire assumes it's Silky, but no, it's a giant mechanical T-Rex. Um, right before he can really attack the Titans, Killer Moth shows up on now the fully mutated Moth Silky. Uh, it eats Johnny Rancid, and <laughs> just eats him, he's done for, that's it, he's gone. Um, at least for the rest of the episode, because he comes back. And... Uh, what do you call it? Um, the the Titans are fighting this thing, and Starfire's doing it very reluctantly. Uh, there's a final showdown 
between Silky and between with Silky in the middle, Starfire on one side and Killer Moth on the other. And Starfire's like, Silky, come to me. Remember, I love you, blah, blah, blah. And Killer Moth pulling his, you know, ba again, showing that he has no idea how to be a caring, loving person. is like, yes, come to me, maggot, whatever number it is. 319? Yeah, exactly. You know, it's like, you know, Starfire's like, remember, I fed you and coddled you. And he's like, yes, remember, I made you in a test tube you know, and fed you protein or whatever. <laughs> and uh, Silky starts having these very fond memories of Starfire and these not-so-fond memories of Killer Moth. But then he has a not-so-fond memory of Starfire, and that was her blasting him. And we actually get to see how Silky saw that. It wasn't the kind of, for lack of a better term, gentle blast that she gave him. It was a very mean blast from his point of view. Um, so Silky is so overwhelmed with just fear and confusion that it basically has some sort of seizure and blows up, covering the center of the city in that purple goop, including its skeleton. It's gross and disgusting. Yeah, the um, rich giant rib cage is left on the street. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so everybody's like, oh my god, Starfire's freaked out. She's so sad that her Silky's dead. But eventually she hears some sort of crying. She dives into the goop. And look, Silky is a baby again. And Beast Boy says he wasn't mutating. He was molting. Um, Fascinating. Yes, exactly. <laughs> thank, thank you, Raven Spock. <laughs> yes. So um, Starfire convinces Robin that, uh, you know, to let her keep him. And uh, Robin says, that's fine. Just no more alien food, please. But Starfire's like, well, what am I going to feed him? And... Uh, so Silky kind of jumps out of her arms and starts eating its purple goopy carcass. Starfire gets down there and she starts eating it too. The Titans, they all basically faint. I mean, they don't faint, but they're on the verge of it, you know? And yeah. uh, they're like, what the hell? <laughs> uh, Killer Moth is tied up. He's taken away to jail. And, uh, you know, the Titans walk away as Starfire and Silky continue to eat the carcass of the exploded giant mothy Silky. <laughs> uh, and the goop transforms into a giant heart. So, yeah. What were you thinking here? Uh, so, so dumb. <laughs> I, what, where the fuck did this episode come from? I, my God. <laughs> I mean, I, I've, I've learned to, you know, accept the fact that this show can get really goofy at times, but this is one of those ones where it's like, I don't care how goofy that some of these episodes can get. This, this episode was just awful. I, I would never watch this one again if, if it weren't for the fact that I had to review it for the episode today. I just don't enjoy watching this episode at all. Um, though I do appreciate, as I mentioned during the summary there, the, the Spock, uh, thing very yeah. clear because she raised her eyebrow as she said oh, fascinating yeah. yeah yeah very clear re uh, reference to Spock mm -hmm. and we had the Pac-Man reference oh, what was the Pac-Man uh, reference the... oh when Silky was eating the Titans home away. oh that's right yeah yeah and then of course the Empire Strikes Back with M319 I am your father <laughs> oh yeah I didn't catch that yeah yeah uh yeah, and then he even goes on. He says, join me, and together we shall go on a picnic. Or... 
<laughs> yeah, I was not catching any of that. Okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and, and Silky's rebirth is a clear reference to Mothra. Oh, okay. uh, the way Mothra was... Uh, how she was reborn through her own death. Oh, okay. So, anyway, yeah, that that's all I got to say. What do you think about this one? I love this one. I, I knew you would say that, too. I just knew it. <laughs> you could kind of tell from my enthusiasm and the way I yes, synopsize I this one. Um, this is seriously one of my favorite episodes of Teen Titans. Um, is it dumb? It This is so stupid. You know, I mean, it is. It, it totally is. And it's absolutely gross and disgusting at the end. But it's just, it's not the same kind of silly fun as, like, the Mad Mod episodes. But it is just silly fun that I think has a good amount of emotion in it. Um, you know, Starfire not wanting to leave Silky. Silky not wanting her to leave him. Um, the confusion of Silky before it explodes. The, um, what do you call it? The, the, when we get to like basically Silky Vision, Silky's flashbacks to when Starfire blasted it. And you could see it's a Starfire being a big meanie. Um, and, and not so much someone who didn't want to do those things. Um, it's basically how a child would imagine their parent when the parent has to kind of slap the kid on the wrist for going at a, an outlet with a yeah. fork. You know, the parent was doing that for good reason. But the kid doesn't see it that way. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's just, you know, just little things that, that make this one just a fun, you know, kind of a slightly emotional episode. And, yeah, it's weird to say it's an emotional episode about a maggot creature thing. But it is, you know. And I also find it weird to say that one of my favorite episodes is a Killer Moth episode. <laughs> uh. I, really, I think I just like the addition of Silky to the team. Not that it's an actual team member, but it's kind of a little mascot. Because um, I just like when Silky pops up in the background. That's all. <laughs> yeah, I, I can appreciate that. But I still can't stand this episode. Not one yeah. bit. <laughs> no, that's fine. That's fine. I, I understand that. Um, now, did you catch one of the things Starfire offered Silky before she gave it the berries? She uh, offered it uh, a jar she... of mustard with a straw in it. Yeah. <laughs> Much going back to her love of mustard. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> oh. Nice. Oh, and then, of course, there was the moment where uh, Johnny's like, my dog can kick your, and then BB turns into a jackass and kicks Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, okay, that's a little funny. <laughs> yep. Um, oh, and I, I had said when we were talking about the last one, this one also has a parallel to the Powerpuff Girls. Yeah. There's the one where the girls create a fourth sister. Um, and I believe her name was Bunny. And she 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 wasn't small and tiny. She kind of looked more like Sloth from the Goonies. God, she looked like uh, Quasimodo. Yeah, exactly. And if you remember at the end, she something happened. I think she had some sort of emotional overload and she blew up. Yeah. And uh, that's, that, that's kind of what happens to Silky here. This one just has a happier ending where we get Silky back. And Bunny is is gone. I don't. I don't. That that was it for her. But uh, every time I see this one, and may, maybe it's because I do love the Powerpuff Girls so much, and I do think that's a very emotional episode, the Bunny one. Um, maybe I'm putting a lot of that emotion on this story, and that's why I enjoy it so much. I really don't know. No, um, I. I would venture to guess that there are at least a 
couple crew members on Teen Titans that worked on Powerpuff Girls also. Oh, I wouldn't be surprised, yeah. Here, a peace offering. You pulled that out of your sleeve. Must you overanalyze everything? Why can't you just sit back and enjoy the show? Because it isn't real. Your act, this hat, it's all smoke and mirrors. You probably just hypnotize me into thinking I'm a rabbit. And when I get home, my nose will twitch every time a bell rings. Hmm, that would be an interesting trick, but no! As soon as I figure out how you're creating this illusion, your powers will be gone. Knowing how the tricks work doesn't make them any less real. If you look like a rabbit and hop like a rabbit, then guess what, kid? You're really a rabbit. Ow. For real. And next up on Rocky and Bullwinkle is Bunny Raven, or How to Make a Titanimal Disappear. So, yeah, Mumbo is back, and he ends up capturing the Titans in his magic top hat. And when all is said and done, Raven has been turned into a bunny. And then the rest of the Titans are seen stuck traveling around in the world of Mumbo's hat, and eventually they are all turned into animals too, except for Beast Boy, who can now only turn into inanimate objects. <laughs> Which, you know, I gotta, I gotta tell you that it was pretty funny seeing Mumbo try to turn uh, Beast Boy into animals, and he just turns right back into his humanoid form. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, you know what? Fuck you! I'm turning you into a lamp. <laughs> yeah. So, and then he can turn himself into telephones and megaphones and shit. <laughs> <laughs> yep. It's it's awesome. Yeah. Um, so they are all turned into animals except for Beast Boy. This is now an inanimate object, Beast Boy. And uh, they are to be put into Mumbo's greatest show ever inside his hat. And he promises that the finale will involve them disappearing forever. So each of the Titanimals and Beast Boy Lamp has to perform before hundreds of Mumbo-looking people. And after their individual acts are done, everything seems hopeless. They can't think of what the hell to do to stop all these illusions. When Raven's like, you know what? Why don't we come up with a trick of our own? So they see some paint cans. And next we see uh, is the stage where all five are to be brought up to the stage together. And it looks like they have disappeared. But in fact, they have painted themselves the color of the curtain and the cage bars. And when Mumbo opens Raven's cage, she kicks Mumbo right in the face. This stops his illusions. It gets them out of the hat, and they capture Mumbo, and Raven refuses to tell Mumbo how she stopped him. Uh, it's not obvious that her face was painted. Anyway, yeah, what are you thinking, sir? <laughs> this isn't a bad one, but I really think it loses a point because of the ending. It's not just that Raven had painted herself and the other Titans. There's more to it than that. The paint clearly changes, you know, because when they're coming up, the cages look empty, and then they, bl so they're blending in with the background there, and then they blend in with the, uh, you know, the background when the cages are fully on the stage. Um, and when she kicks Mumbo in the face, somehow they all end up outside of his hat for no good reason. But just kicking Mumbo once caused that. So there was some trick involved, but they chose not to explain it. It's back, in fact, they were actually kind of cheeky about it. Like, oh, we're not going to explain the ending because, oh, we don't have to. It's magic. Like, really? Just because of all that, I, I seriously have to take a point off of this one. I mean, otherwise, I think it would be a slightly above average episode if I'm being generous. It's, I just don't think okay, this one so, really stands out. Yeah. 
So we have totally swapped roles here. I okay. love this episode. Okay, sure. <laughs> oh, like I did about Can I Keep Him? Please gush about Bunny Raven. Please do. Um, since I'm always apt to pick up these kind of references, there are two references to Alice in Wonderland. Okay. Uh, when, when the Any card asks Raven, must you always ask such stupid questions? That's pretty much word for word what the Griffin says to Alice when she's in Wonderland. Huh. And then there's Mumbo's smile fading away after his face is already gone. Ah, Cheshire yeah. Cat, of yeah. course. Um, Beast Boy is absolutely hilarious in this episode. Just because he's all these inanimate objects, and he has to find out ways to talk to the other Titans. Yeah, yeah. and like he uses, uh, the, he turns into a telephone booth and uh, calls the Titans. <laughs> and uh, when he's just a, a, a small phone, he uh, he his the receiver is off of the hook, and he's like, "Oh, let me help! I can crank call him." Yeah. <laughs> uh huh. Uh huh. I laughed my ass off at that line. Yeah. I, I, I'm not ashamed to say. Mm. And then we get several Muppet Show references in this episode. Yeah, yeah, we do. We get Statler and Waldorf, for fuck's sake. Mm -hmm. And then we get Scooter, the guy who's like, five minutes to show everyone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, God. I, I, and, and, of course, I'm sorry, Raven as a bunny rabbit is fucking hysterical. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you've got the girl who is the least... She would rather be called probably stupid than she would cute so and then she's turned into this cute little fluffy white bunny rabbit yeah yeah <laughs> i don't know I, I love i could watch this one anytime just and laugh my ass off at it oh yeah don't get me wrong i'm not claiming i hate this one you know what i'm saying it's just <sighs> this is See, really just kind of there for me yeah well that's kind of what the like this is really we're just having the same review only inverted right. Yeah. We really are, because I think I'm going to – what you're going to give um, you know, the Silky episode is probably what I'm going to give this episode, and then <laughs> vice versa for the the lower grades. Yeah, yeah. There was something I was going to say about this one. There was some, oh, yeah, I like the scene where Beast Boy turns into the phone booth, and uh, Cyborg's not going to get it because he already dealt with BB on the phone. Raven's not going to get it because she's in no fucking mood. So Robin and Starfire <laughs> – they play rock, paper, scissors <laughs> <laughs> yep. to, to decide who gets it, who's going to get it, because they don't want to talk to Peaceful. <laughs> and when Robin comes up the loser, he just sort of like hangs his head like, shit. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was definitely good. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, we get Cyborg in another dress. I, I don't know what's going on here, but hey. That, that was, he looked like, um, was it Cindy from Yogi Bear? Because he he had the Yogi Bear design. Yeah. But you know, I think wasn't it Cindy who wore? She wore a skirt, didn't she? Or a little tutu so. thing? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Forgive me if that's not her name, because I haven't seen a Yogi Bear episode. That God sounds right to me. It definitely. It's weird how we had two Yogi Bear references in this episode when I don't think we've had them in the preceding eighty-two episodes at all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah, I mean, there's some good lines in this one. Uh, Mumbo tosses out silly rabbit, you know, mm -hmm. just like tricks. Uh, when Starfire gets turned into the kitty, she's like, I do not like being a cat in this hat. Yeah. <laughs> so, so we get get a green green eggs and ham reference and a cat in the hat reference, yeah, pretty yeah, much. Yeah, so, you know, there, like I said, there, there's some good stuff. Um, I like the idea that the hat might be a TARDIS, just bigger on the inside and... Huh. <laughs> what, you know, so it's like, okay, maybe Mumbo's a Time Lord and his TARDIS is his hat. I don't know. 
Um, <laughs> so Doctor Who is in Teen Titans continuity? I don't know. Um, but yeah, I mean, this one, really what it boils down to for me is I can put up with the sillier, not-so-deep episodes if they go by quick. And this one didn't. This one seemed to drag for me. That I agree with. I can totally see where you're coming from on that one. Yeah, and again, the ending, where it's like, oh, we're not going to explain how one kick to Mumbo's face undid this whole thing. You know, and and even still, how the paint made them blend in with the background, because it was just like blue paint or purple paint. But what, they painted themselves to look like the background with one shade? You know, they don't bother to explain any of it. And sure, they do set it up, earlier when Mumbo tells Raven oh it takes the fun out of it if you explain the trick but still it's for me it do, it definitely doesn't work um but again i, I i'm kind of getting on this one's case if if you want to continue to gush please 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 do you gave me my say with the previous <laughs> story um well this i i guess this is kind of a uh an Adam West Batman reference but when Robin slams his fist into his palm and then his monkey feet fist <laughs> into his monkey feet palm. That was, that just reminded me of Adam West Robin. <laughs> well, 1966 Robin, where he would constantly slam his fist into his palm. Oh, he does it all the time in this program. Have you never caught that? Yeah. I mean, I have. Oh, okay. It, it, I think it was just because he did it at the, twice with yeah. like his monkey feet and yeah. his, his monkey palms. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I see what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> What have you done to yourself? Now, cyborg, don't tell me you're disgusted by the very technology that keeps you alive. Or are you just jealous that it looks better on me? You look like a psychopath. What is my tech doing in your head? I believe it was Socrates who said, if you can't beat them, join them. Thanks to you, cyborg, I've entered the digital age. With your nifty cybernetic implants enhancing my mental powers, I'll be able to control thousands of students. Once they've been upgraded with the proper hardware, of course. No! I won't let you! I won't let you do this to anyone else! You'll not only let me, you're going to help. And last up today is the two-part season three finale, Titans East. In the first part, um, let's see, Brother Blood is back, and he's all like, I'm going to get those dastardly titans, especially Cyborg and his technology. And, uh, yes, that was a very loose Scooby-Doo reference. And uh, <laughs> a very bad one at that. But anyways, we'll continue on. Uh, let's see. He, uh, What the hell happens? I don't even know what happens in this one. Uh pfft. Well, basically, Cyborg goes east to help the Titans east really form their little tower. Yeah, I couldn't remember if anything actually happened in the beginning or if Cyborg was just on the road. He's just on the road to start, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's on the road. He's singing a version of the Titans theme song (laughs) that is very Cyborg-centric. And it was very, very funny. (laughs) Yes, it is. Yeah, so once he gets to, what are they called, Steel City, Metal City, Iron City... What's what's um, he Steel, C- Steel City. Steel yeah. City. That's it. Uh, once he gets there, he meets up with Aqualad, Speedy, Bumblebee, and Massimenos. Yeah, Massimenos. Anyways, um, 
let's see, he, he meets up with them and he starts to help them set up their tower, which is in just, it's just, it's in, in a bad, bad way. Um, earlier in the episode, Brother Blood has hypnotized a new villain, a very big villain, not unlike Cinderblock, actually, uh, but this one is sort of like a giant humanoid uh, uh, bulldozer. Is that his name, Bulldozer, too? Is that his name? Um, yeah, yeah, Bulldozer sounds right. Yeah, um, basically he's got these two giant hands that he can smash you with, but if he puts them together, they become the, the wheel on a bulldozer. Not on a bulldozer, on a... That's not a bulldozer. What is that thing? A um, steamroller? Wrecking ball thing? No, not a wrecking ball. I, I, but, I can't. I can't remember what that character you know, the, looks the thing like. That, the thing that lays that that actually smooths out the hot tar. That that thing. Oh, steamroller. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I don't know if steamroller was his name. I think it was bulldozer. But anyways, and it doesn't matter. He's a he's a nothing <laughs> villain. I don't know why I'm harping on this. Anyways, um, he had hypnotized him. Well, the Titans East they go to take him down. The problem is this is the first person they've ever had to team up to take down, and they are a bit shit. Uh, Cyborg recognizes this and he says, guys, follow my lead. Um, he leads them to victory. But, uh, what Cyborg doesn't realize is that during the fight, uh, this, this villain whose name I cannot, I, and I will not try to mention again, um, he actually jacked into Cyborg systems and, uh, uploaded that data to Brother Blood. Now Brother Blood has the security encryption codes to the Titans East Tower. Um, he then uses that, uh, much like Slade did when Terra uh, was on his side, to infiltrate the tower and uh, try to take down the Titans East. He actually creams all of them, um, he and his minions, his robotic minions, who look a lot like Cyborg, thus pissing Cyborg off. Um, they take down the Titans East, but Cyborg is able to get the upper hand on Brother Blood. Um, Brother Blood's still trying to get in the cyborg's head. He's like, what is it about you that makes you able to resist me? No one else has been able to resist me. Never mind that Bumblebee said she was able to resist them in the last story that featured... Not the last one. Yeah, the, was it the last one? Yeah. Yeah, it was the last one. Um, so never mind that that's happened, but whatever. Um, they actually do kind of come back to it in the second part, but we'll get to that. Um... So he's, he's trying to get in the cyborg's head, and they, they don't answer that question right away. Uh, but yeah, cyborg gets the upper hand. He's able to trigger the internal security. All these lasers turn on and shoot the shit out of Brother Blood, blasting him out the window. He falls to not his death, but what should have been his death. Um, and uh, we think the episode is over uh, with the Titans East being victorious, but... At the last minute, I believe it's Aqualad, triggers his communicator and calls Brother Blood, and he tells them that Cyborg suspects nothing. And uh, so there we go. We see all the Titans East, except Cyborg are under the hypnotic control of one Brother Blood. Um, is, is that where this one ends, or do we, do we see Brother yeah. Blood in the chair? The chair is the second part, right? Uh, yeah, yeah I believe so. Okay, okay. Um, yeah, it is. So, uh, if, did I leave anything out? Nope. Okay, what were you thinking? Uh, I'm sorry, I can't work tacos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Great line. I just can't work tacos. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, uh, remember way back in the beginning of this recording, I mentioned something that happens in this episode that is really, really not meant for kids. Yeah. Um... Masi Menos, they say the following phrase, and I quote, 
este viejo nos está jodiendo. This phrase, when translated from Spanish, can mean one of two things. And neither of them is particularly kid-friendly. The first one is roughly, this old guy is pissing me off. <laughs> the second, and m much more adult-themed, is this old guy is just fucking with us. <laughs> wow. Okay, that's not what I thought you were going to mention. <laughs> because the verb there, joder, it means to fuck. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, I wow. I mean, I, it's it's in Spanish, but what if a Spanish kid is watching this show? <laughs> right. Exactly. I thought you were going to mention the fact that at the end of this two-parter, not only does Cyborg get his metal limbs rip, ripped off, but his uh, the skin, like yeah. his whole right arm gets torn off in two parts, including the actual flesh part of his body. That's yeah. what I thought you were going to mention. Not Masimenos cussing up a storm. Wow, I love Masimenos even more now. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of them, though, something I never put together is that... Uh, am I pronouncing it right, Menos? Is yeah. it Menos? Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, he's actually missing a tooth. Like, mm -hmm. duh, because he's, you know, Menos. He should be missing... Yeah, okay, that makes sense. But There's I've less I of him than Moss. Yeah, yeah I, never, I never made that connection before. Durr. <laughs> That's a good way to tell them apart if you can't see their uh, their little outfits. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Because they're not like Tomax and Zayma, where one is a scar. Their hair isn't different. It's the exact same. So you're right. Yeah, just look for the tooth. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the only note I wrote down for the first part was Masimenos exclamation point. That's it. Because I love <laughs> these characters so much. I can't understand a word of what they're saying. Oh, that's not true. I can understand some of what they're saying. Not mm -hmm. the cussing like you can. Good for you, sir, and I, I mean that non-sarcastically. Um, <laughs> All those but, years of Spanish class, and hey, <laughs> that's the shit I remember. Yeah, exactly. Um, but no, I was I, I I just thought that this this was a, a a good start to the finale of the Cyborg Brother Blood story. You know. Um, because it starts out in a place where it does not end. We don't quite know what Brother Blood's ultimate plan is here, and I'm glad we don't know it. You know, we don't get it until he unrobes, and that's not meant to sound dirty, in front of Cyborg later on in the second part. Uh, we don't know until the very last moment that the Titans East are under his control. Now, you do have to question when he got them under his control. And me, I'm thinking it happened when each one of them was knocked out, but before Brother Blood squared off against Cyborg? Is that possible? Um, well, you remember, Cyborg was knocked out uh, when he finally activated the... Oh, the that's set. right. Yeah, so it could have happened after he was knocked out and Blood got back in the tower. And then the, the Titans rejuvenated him, uh, rejuvenated uh, Cyborg. Yeah, okay, I bet you're right there. I didn't... You're right, because at one point Cyborg says, Blood didn't leave the tower, so he must have flew back in or something. Not that he can fly, but you know what I mean. Actually, he can fly. Can he fly? Mm-hmm. Oh. He can levitate. Oh, that's true. I wasn't thinking about that. Yeah. Because he yeah. fights with Bumblebee. Yeah. Oh, and then, of course, we, we got to mention, there's the, the 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 whole... I forgot the the big cliffhanger when I synopsized this one. What the fuck? Um, Robin, after after the, the Titan Z seemingly defeat Blood... Robin's like, hey, Cyborg, get back out here. And uh, Cyborg's like, no, I'm home. 
I'm going to stay and lead the team because they want him as their leader. Mm-hmm. That's right. I, I completely forgot to mention that. Um, so, yeah, that besides, you know, we think the cliffhanger is going to be Cyborg staying behind, but the real cliffhanger is that they're all hypnotized. Um, and so I thought I thought that was an interesting element because it kind of called back to the very first episode of the Titans where Cyborg quit. He's He doesn't really like getting bossed around by, as he would put it, that spiky-haired little punk. Um, and this is this just absolutely proves that he's he's sick of it. He wants to be, as he says, his own man, a grown man, and this is his chance to yep. prove it. So yeah, yeah, I, th- I think this is a pretty decent uh, part to this two part story. W- what else do you have about this one? I have a couple of issues mm-hmm. with this one. The I thought, like we said earlier, I thought Bumblebee couldn't be controlled by Blood's mind control. Yeah, and then there's a, a pretty big flub with Aqualad. When they all the cyborgs show up in the cloaks and they don't know it's cyborg clones, he kicks one, or yeah, he kicks one, and it clearly hurts him because he's like, "Ow!" Yeah. Then later he's just punching holes in them like they're aluminum foil. <laughs> you know, yeah. and really, I think that's the second one is more correct because I think he does have a, le- a level of super strength. Yeah, yeah. So why did it when kicking it earlier hurt him? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> That's a good fuck? call. That's a good call. Um, I can't say anything about that, but getting back to Bumblebee being mind-controlled, they do come back to it because she keeps she snaps out of it twice. In the second part, uh, Cyborg tells her, come on, man, I'm your friend, and she starts to come out of it, but then she gets sucked back in. And then later on, when Blood's got her um, and the rest of the Titans East all, like, chained up against the wall, um, she starts to come out of it and goes back into it. He's able to rehypnotize her. So it shows that she can fight it. So he's probably just is trying harder to get people under his control, specifically her. Though she still can't resist it on some level. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, what else? What else? Before I get on to the second part. Uh don't think I have any more notes for the first part. Okay. So in the second part, um, the Titans East, um, you know, they're obviously still hypnotized, but Cyborg doesn't know this. And he's like, yeah, you know, we're going to be doing training or whatever. And uh, Blood, they, they then contact Blood and he's like, they're like, yeah, he still doesn't realize what's going on. And we see Blood in a chair and uh, there's still something telling me that this is in the first part, but I don't know. Um, and we see that, what's his name? Professor Chang, is that his name? Uh, yeah. The mm-hmm. guy who gave X the Xenothium, yeah. Him, he's about to run some experiment on blood. We don't quite know what that is yet. Cyborg comes back and he's like, you know, you guys have been doing so great. I'm going to make you my three meat spaghetti sauce, well, spaghetti. And uh, they're all like, oh, this is great. And then out of nowhere, Speedy just shoots Cyborg with a bunch of arrows. He goes down, and uh, he's like, hey, man, what the fuck? And they're all like, ha, ha, ha psych, we got you. And uh, he's like, oh, no, I'm trapped. So he, he tries <laughs> to, you know, he's, he's running around uh, trying to get away. He tries to contact uh, the Titans, his, his, his old team, and, uh, uh, but he can't get through. They're jamming the signal. Now, it should be said earlier in the episode, uh, when it starts, Cyborg and Robin are actually having a fight. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, Robin's like, you got to come back to this team. We need you. And Cyborg's like, no, this is my chance to shine. This is my chance to become a man. Um, let me do this. And Robin's like, be a man. You're acting like a child. You're you're just dumping your responsibilities of this team to, to, to do what? Prove some point to take down blood? You know, he's, he's like, come back home. And Cyborg's like, look, I don't have to listen to you anymore. 
Um, and I don't care if I ever speak to you again. So he hangs up on him. Um, so when he has to call Robin for help later on, that's kind of a big step for Cyborg. He's afraid that his signal hasn't gotten through. Um, let's see what happens. He ends up trapped by the guys, by the Titans East, and a blood shows up, right? Mm-hmm. Is this where blood reveals what he's done to himself? Um, I think I, it is. I, it's weird because it, it seems like he did, and then he did again because okay. he has that like kind of mech-looking suit that he's wearing later. Yeah, well, basically, whether it's here or later, he's revealed, he reveals to Cyborg, no, it is here, it is here, he reveals to Cyborg that he's cyborged himself, um, except instead of blue, you know, bits of tech, he's got red bits of tech, and uh, Cyborg's like, dude, what, you did this to yourself, are you fucking nuts, and uh, Blood's like, dumb, my name's Blood, come on, so... Anyways, uh, he he, basically, he still just wants to tear Cyborg apart, get into his head, and he's like, why can you resist me? What is going on with that? Um, and uh, Cyborg's still resisting him, still resisting him. And uh, let's see, the, the the gang is about to take him apart, literally. And uh, the, the regular Titans, they show up at this point, right? Yep. Yeah, so they... Uh, they, they put up a little fight with the Titans East, and then Brother Bullet's like, okay, fine, if I can't get to you, I'll just experiment on these guys. So he disappears with the Titans East. Um, the the regular Titans, we'll call them Titans, I don't know, the regular Titans, that's what we'll call them. So anyways, <laughs> um, they all end up like trapped in a room, and uh, but they're able to get out. They don't quite show how. Uh, let's see, we cut to blood, and uh, he's about to run some experiments on the Titans East, basically saying, you know, not only are you going to survive this, but that's okay, I'll just take you apart and uh, learn from you so I can still get into Cyborg's head. He's just He just cannot let this go. Um, let's see, you know, just fights ensue. The, Titan, the, the original Titans square off against the Titans East, leading to the final showdown. And please, James, interrupt if I'm leaving uh, anything important out. Leading to the final showdown between Brother Blood and um, Cyborg on top of the Titans East Tower. Uh, Brother Blood just starts laying into Cyborg. I mean, nothing is stopping him. Um, he starts to just he's, he's just glow red. We've seen him use energy-based powers before, even before he was all cyborged up. Um, but yeah, he's levitating, he's shooting beams, he's doing cyborg stuff, and uh, literally starts taking Cyborg's limbs off. His arms, his legs, his, his, his flesh and blood parts just get torn up. Um, at some point... He uh, teleports all of the Titans, both groups, up to the roof. Uh, and they're all sort of being levitated above Cyborg's head. And uh, Cyborg still, even though he's about to die, is still being defiant of Brother Blood. Brother Blood gets close up to him. And uh, Blood's still glowing red. And uh, he's like, you know, what is it? What is it inside you that makes you resist me? And uh, something clicks in Cyborg's brain. And he starts glowing blue so he becomes bruce leroy and um brother blood is basically show nuff if y'all don't get the reference uh do google it um <laughs> uh, cyborg has the glow and he then puts himself back together flesh and all by tearing apart brother blood's cyborgian robots and uh cyborg basically says it's 
like, what does he say? It's like the human part of me that resists you, or it's my soul or my spirit or something? It's my spirit, yeah. Which is the exact opposite of what resisted him last time. Last time it was the tech part that resisted him. So they can't even get that shit straight. But hey, I do believe in my heart that this is a reference to The Last Dragon. So now you guys yeah. don't have to Google it. Um, <laughs> uh, Cyborg just takes down Brother Blood real easily at that point. Uh, all the Titans are set free. No more mind control. Uh, B-Boy says, hey, are you, like, magical now? And Cyborg's like, no, I think what happened was Brother Blood got into my head so much, quite literally, that I got into his head and was able to tap into his powers. Uh, as the episode comes to an end, uh, Cyborg has to make a decision. Is he going to stay with the Titans East or rejoin the original Titans? And uh, he says that he's going to j- rejoin the original Titans, and the Titans East have a, have a leader in their midst if they're willing to listen to her. So the Titans East are left in the more than capable hands of Bumblebee. Uh, did I leave anything out? Um, no, I don't think so. Okay, so what are you thinking here? I have no notes for this second part, except for ones that I just kind of remember in my head. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do think it was kind of cool how Cyborg explained that his electronic eye can't see in ultraviolet light, and he just shines a blue, bluish light over it that makes him appear invisible to all the other Cyborg yeah. duplicates. That was pretty cool. I like that. But I I have to question Cyborg. He, he rematerializes himself from these Cyborg clones that easily are destroyed by all the Titans. So he's reforming himself from inferior parts. And the flesh. Yeah. Yeah. How did that happen? I, I, I don't know. I mean, I would have accepted it if his old parts had rejoined his body and just fused back in. But by dematerializing them and rematerializing on him, the of as you said, of the robots, I, I don't get that at all. I mean, they try to explain it by saying he tapped into Blood's power. We never saw Blood's power be able to do that. <laughs> yeah. Deus Ex Machina much? Pretty much so, yeah. I don't know what gets on my nerves more, that that's a Deus Ex Machina, or that they didn't explain the ending in Bunny Raven. <laughs> Both are bad. I just don't know which one's worse. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I got to go with this one just because there were more serious implications, I think. Okay, okay. Yeah, sure. I mean, Cyborg just had all of his limbs torn apart. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and I I don't have... I mean, I had notes written down, but I I mentioned them all during my synopsis. Yeah, I know. This is a very action-heavy episode. Actually, the first one was, too, if you want the truth. Yeah, you know, I, I really don't want it to come off that, like, I think this this is a bad two-parter. I really don't. I said it before. I think this is a really decent conclusion to this three-part story that they've crafted for Cyborg here. You know, could Brother Blood have been a better villain? He never cackles, but he does come off as a cackling villain at the same time. Yeah, you know, yeah could exactly. He, yeah, could he have been someone better? Yeah, absolutely. But not everybody can be Slade or Trigon. They just can't. Sometimes you're going to give someone who's just kind of a mid-level villain, and you just kind of have to deal with that. And I think they did a good enough job with Blood and uh, having them screw with Cyborg. Um, And at the end of the day, we get a brand new team out of it, too, and uh, some really cool characters, too. Uh, They did a really good job setting up Speedy before... Well, not Speedy's only showed up a little bit. Uh, but Aqualad and Bumblebee and the introduction of Masi Manos, there's there's definitely good stuff in this one. Um, and my, I think my score actually reflects the fact that I think highly of this one. Um, and of course, it probably gets a bo- bonus point from me, from me, I should say, 
for uh, the fact that uh, there's an obvious reference to The Last Dragon, which is a stupid, cheesy 1980s movie, but I <laughs> love it. <laughs> uh, what else do you want to say about Titans East here? Um, yeah, I have nothing else. Uh, I mean, we could just do our scores if you have nothing else. Okay, let's do them then. Uh, Revolution. Revolution? I'm giving a nine. Wow, okay. I mean, uh, I, look, I'm sure there were a lot of British people who were offended by this, <laughs> but... I, but you know, I really don't think this episode was meant to put Brits in a bad light. I mean, oh, no. fuck, Malcolm McDowell did the voice of uh, Mad Mod, I believe. Okay. So mm-hmm. I, I think it was just supposed to be a huge homage to Monty Python and the Beatles, and it succeeded oh, in yeah. spades. Absolutely. Um, I, I, I agree it's a great episode. Um, I didn't score as highly, though. I gave it a 7. Uh, wavelength. Uh, I give it a 6, just slightly above average. I'm giving that one a 7. Uh, the Beast Within. I'm giving that a seven just for God. <laughs> Fucking <laughs> hell. It was intense as shit. Same thing you said, but an eight. Uh, okay, can I keep him? Four. <laughs> Nine. <laughs> uh, Bunny then Raven. you'll love what I'm going to give Bunny Raven. <laughs> Bunny Raven or How to Make a Titanimal Disappear gets a... Eight. Uh, that gets a five from me. And mind you, that probably would have been a six if it weren't for the lack of an explanation at the end. Um, and the two-part, Titans East. I'll give that a seven. That, from me, is getting an eight. Meet Moss and Menos. Hola! Somos gemelos. Nacimos con siete veces la habilidad para ser más rápido que el sonido. Pero solo somos poderosos cuando nuestros cuerpos se rozan así. Más y menos, si podemos. Feedback in the form of emails can be sent to feedback at worldsfinestpodcast.com. That's feedback at worldsfinestpodcast.com. Our voicemail number is 731-WFP-WFP0. 731-937-9370. And don't forget about our store, which can be found at earth2.net slash store. That's earth-2.net slash store. Next time on World's Finest Podcast, we'll discuss six and a half more episodes of Teen Titans. Those being the 12-minute The Lost episode, episode 257-494, Cyborg the Barbarian, Birthmark, The Quest, Employee of the Month, and Troc. For James Doe, I'm Michael David Sims saying thank you for listening to World's Finest Podcast. (laughs) 